God said it. God said it. God spoke everything that we see into existence. God said, let there be a tree. There's a tree. God said, let there be an ocean. When we get to Job, we find out God said, and by the way, ocean, stop there. I think that's just one of the coolest lines in Job was that God said how far the ocean could go. Ah, I just think that's great. All right, so God spoke creation into existence. God said it. We have his written word. God has given us his written word, and we are reading through it. Genesis to Revelation, January to December. Uh, many are using the Version Bible app. The, the Bible project has a reading plan, and so folks are reading each chapter as it's assigned each day, and whatever chapters fall on Sunday, that's what we're preaching on. So guess what? Today we're in Ezra. Um, and, and so God has his spoken word, creation, it's general revelation. Everybody can see it. His written word is the word of God. God called us to read it, pay attention, obey, not edit. God did not call us to edit his word, okay? We are not editors, uh, and we're not redactors either. You can't cross out the parts you don't like. Um, and, and then we have God's living word, which is Jesus. You know, he is the word who became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. That's what, uh, you know, that's the songs that Scott and them have been singing this morning. And so, so God said it. God has spoken. We need to listen and pay attention, one of the sermons, one of the messages back in January was, God said it, don't miss it. You know, don't get distracted. So we are, we are walking through this in what I refer to as the arc of God's story, the storyline of redemption. A lot of different um, uh, 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 stories about this, a lot of different titles to this, but I've just called it the arc of God's story. Now, a few weeks ago, I asked Jordan to draw it for me. Right? I asked Jordan to draw it for me. This is kind of fun. Kylie, you got the picture? There it is. Now, when you, when you ask Jordan to do something, uh, sometimes it looks like a comic book. Right? But, but I have a few of these right here. So the storyline of God's story begins over here on the left, uh, creation. You see Adam and Eve there in the garden, and, and, and there's the serpent. And, and then you got the fall, and, and, and you see the, the fruit coming down. Obviously, we all assume it was an apple, but we don't know. All right, so, and then you got Cain and Abel down there, and there's sin. And, and then following sin, the chaos of the, of the gospel, and I mean the chaos of the, the flood and all that kind of stuff. And then you've got the couple, Abraham and Sarah, and, and the covenant. You see the fire and the pillar and the family. And then you've got this couple that's a family, and then a people group which becomes the nation and the nation demands a king and one of the kings likes cows and, and, and the king is, is sort of the foreshadowing the pointing to of the king of kings of uh, the body of Christ our savior the, the consummation of God's plan this idea that, that God's been, been working this story ever since he created the first thing let there be light so there's some of these up here if y'all want them some, I'm going to put them down here we're going to make these available for a long time because I think Jordan did a great job. I think they're cool. Uh, and, and so we're just going to use them. And, uh, and, and y'all, when y'all see Jordan, just tell him how impressed you are. Creation, fall, sin, couple, covenant, family, people, nation, king, savior, king of kings, body of Christ. This is the story of what God's doing. If you want to know, you open the Bible. Any, anywhere in the Bible, you open it up. 
boom, it falls somewhere in that story arc. It's there. There's this, this, this thread of understanding when we read the Bible of how God is at work. So today it's God said it, finish the temple. <clears throat> We've already been through First and Second Samuel. And then we went through First and Second Kings. And, and, and you start seeing the repeat and the overlaps and, and those kind of things. Then you get First and Second Chronicles, and you get another perspective overlap. Some scholars believe that Ezra the scribe wrote the Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. We, we don't know exactly because a lot of times it's just referred to as the chronicler or the writer. So, so we're not sure, but, but we know that this is a person who has, uh, has access to the story of God's people has access to what went on in the lives of the kings and the lives of the people. And, and we finished up with kings and chronicles and we realized that, that God's people have been disobedient. God's people have, have, have been idolatrous and, and, and God, by prof, prophetic decree, uh, has allowed them to be conquered and hauled away to Babylon. And, and, and so the nation uh, uh, lies desolate or the land lies desolate for the most part during all this while the people are living these, these number of years in Babylon. And, and guess what? Kings come and go. Nations rise and fall in this story. You know, I mean, I know we as, as, as you know, the United States or America, God ordained. Guess what? There'll be a day when America won't be. Okay? And and might be sooner than we appreciate. But anyway, all right. Um, sorry, I shouldn't say things like that, but when it comes to mind, <clears throat> sorry. So now Nebuchadnezzar's gone. He's got a son that's worthless, another son that's worthless. Kings that follow them in Babylon are just not that great at all. So, so the Medo Empire, the Medes rise up, the Persians rise up, the Persians conquer the Medes. You got the Medo-Persian Empire that attacks Babylon and, and conquers Babylon. And, and basically Cyrus, the, the first of the Medo-Persian kings, say he's Persian, but he says, he says, all right, everybody go home. So, so all the, the Israelites, the Jews that are living in Babylon get to go home. And, and by decree, he says, rebuild your temple, worship God, do what you as a people do. And, and, and he actually makes that decree for, for all the peoples who had been displaced throughout the, the Babylonian Empire and the Assyrian Empire for that matter. So, so you've got this return, and that's the, the point of the story thread I want us to look at today, the return. And I want to ask you this question. What's God told you to do? What kind of things has God told you to return to? You know, there's, a, there's a book I read some years ago called The Old Paths, right? This idea of returning to, to the things that, that God has decreed in your life. The things that God has called you out on. God, I've been distracted. God, I've wandered away. God, I've let things of this world lead me into sin. And God's going, no, come back. Worship. Do what I called you to do. Be who I called you to be. We're in Ezra chapter 6. And this is pretty much the repeat of Cyrus's decree. 
Beginning in verse 3, this is what it says. In the first year of King Cyrus, he issued a decree concerning the house of God in Jerusalem. Let the house be rebuilt as a place for offering sacrifices. Now, can I just go ahead and tell you, Cyrus doesn't know God. But Cyrus is doing what God wants him to do. Isn't that cool? All right. Uh, Let its original foundations be retained. Its height is to be 90 feet and its width 90 feet. With three layers of cut stones and one of timber, the cost is to be paid from the royal treasury. Here you go. God doesn't know God. Paying for the temple to be rebuilt. How about that? See, I like how God works, y'all. I'm just telling you. Uh, The cost is to be paid from the royal treasury. The gold and silver articles of God's house that Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem and carried to Babylon must also be returned. So all the stuff Nebuchadnezzar stole is now going to be returned. I just love it. uh, They are to be brought to the temple in Jerusalem where they belong and put into the house of God. Therefore, you must stay away from that place. So Tatnai, governor of the region west of the Euphrates River, Shethar Bozani, and your colleagues, the officials in the region, leave the construction of the house of God alone. Let the governor and the and elders of the Jews rebuild this house of God on its original site. So here is, and this is actually Darius giving the repeat of the decree of Cyrus, saying, you guys in the region that are trying to interfere with the building of God's temple, stop it. Stop getting in the way, all right? Uh, I hereby issue a decree concerning what you are to do so that the elders of the Jews can rebuild the house of God. The cost is to be paid in full to these men out of the royal revenues from the taxes of the region west of the Euphrates River so that the work will not stop. Whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, and lambs for burnt offerings to the God of the heavens or wheat, salt, wine, and oil, as requested by the priests of Jerusalem, let it be given to them every day without fail. Man, I love this story. Ah, So that they can offer sacrifices of pleasing aroma to the God of the heavens. And listen to this, because he's not doing this out of benevolence, all right? And pray for the life of the king and his sons. See that? So there's there's, there's a selfish motive here. Uh, Darius is kind of going, all right, um, I'm not sure who God is, whether it's the Jewish God or the Babylonian Marduk God. or well, I just want to make sure that everybody's praying for me. That's what he's saying, y'all. All right, so he says, uh, I also issue a decree concerning any man who interferes with this directive. Let a beam be torn from his house and raised up, and he will be impaled on it. And his house will be made into a garbage dump because of this offense. May the God who caused his name to dwell there overthrow any king or people who dares to harm or interfere with this house of God in Jerusalem. I, Darius, have issued the decree, let it be carried out diligently. All right, so you got Darius, king of the Medo-Persian Empire now, decree that the temple be rebuilt in Jerusalem and that no governor or satrap, they like to call them the the local area governors, which were eventually referred to as kings, but but none of them don't get in God's way. Look at that. 
Don't get in God's way. Don't hinder what God's doing. You see, because God had told his people, even before they were carried off to Babylon, that they would return. So this is the story of the return. Ezra's a scribe. He, he's the one taking down the account. He's one of the leaders of the Jewish people returning. You see? And Darius is saying, if you get in the way, we're going to rip a beam down from your ceiling and, and stick you on it. See, I'm looking at this story going, woo! You know, uh, God is carrying out his plan. God is still working the story of redemption. Because see, right now, we're, we're not at Messiah yet. We're not at King of Kings yet. We've seen all the kings of Israel, north and south, the, the original three kings sort of combined nation, Saul, David, Solomon, then the breakup of the nation, and all the, the some of the kings were okay, some of them were half good, some of them were all bad. You know, we, we see the kings and they've all come, but, but it's through seeing the kings of the people that we realize that God has promised a king of kings, one who would be perfect, one who would be righteous, who would be the prince of peace, who, who would rule for all eternity over God's people. Guess what? We know now in 2022 who the king of kings is. We know who he is. You see, he's ruling. Right here, we're kind of in the midst of the story and God's bringing about the return. Why? Why restore this idolatrous people in, in the land? They turn their back on God how many times? I just Guess what, y'all? We're going to look at the story through multiple lenses over the next few months. Right? We're, we're, we're going to spend this week in Ezra. Next week, we're going to be in Nehemiah. Nehemiah's in charge of building the wall. Originally, in the Hebrew Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah is one book. Just like First and First and Second Chronicles is one book in the Hebrew Bible. Okay, so we're going to be in Ezra, Nehemiah, and then Esther kind of falls uh, in the week that we don't, we don't have a passage out of Esther on Sunday. But then we jump into Job. Guess where Job comes from? Job comes from all the way back at the beginning. Job's one of the original patriarchal type families like Abraham. So it's kind of stuck over here because it points to something about God's, uh, God's sovereignty, his rule over the lives of people. So we'll spend two weeks in Job. You know, I preached on Job one time. Everybody talks about the patience of Job. I go, Job didn't have any patience. What are you talking about? Job sat in an ash pile and whined. Right? I know, mate. Some people, when I said that the first time, they said, oh, you shouldn't say that. Everybody's, all my life I've heard about the patience of Job. Let me ask you about Job's patience. What else could he have done? He just had to endure, right? So in Ezra, we've got this thread of the return. The people are returning, and they come back in waves, and they come back in groups, and, and, and why? What's the first and most important thing? They do? I said, remember when, when they were a people, and God brought them out of Egypt, he developed in them an identity. And, and, and what, did, what did their identity revolve around? What was it consumed with? It was consumed with their worship. Who they worshipped. 
the God of creation, right? So their identity is based on Yahweh God. So when they're returning from captivity, what's the first and most important thing to do? Establish worship. So they're building the temple. They got no city. They got no walls. But they're going to have a temple. Because, get ready, then Tatanai, governor of the region west of the Euphrates River, Shethar Bozani, and their colleagues diligently carried out what King Darius had decreed. Don't want to be impaled on a post. So the Jewish elders continued successfully with the building under the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah son of Edo. Listen to this line, because I don't want you to get confused as to who carried this out. They finished the building according to the command of the God of Israel. Why did they build the temple? Not because Cyrus said so. Not because Darius said so. Not because Artaxerxes said so. But because God said so. God says, when you come back to the land, worship me. You see? They finished the building according to the command of, God, of the God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus Darius and King Artaxerxes of Persia. This house was completed on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. What is the temple, y'all? What's the temple? It's God's dwelling place. It's where God established his name and his presence among his people. He said, I will put my name on this city. I will put my, my presence in this place. The Holy of Holies, the, the Ark of the Covenant, everything about it. God said, this is where I dwell. So, so when the temple was destroyed, when we get into Ezekiel and Jeremiah, we're going to see this wailing and whining uh, of the people that, oh no, the temple was destroyed, the presence of God is gone, and in a sense it is. But God's not gone. They had turned their backs on God, right? So God let them be hauled away. For what? <laughs> Can I just put it quite frankly? To suffer. When you wander away from God, I promise you, you'll suffer. Okay? People sit down with me and they go, I just don't understand why this is happening to me. I say, well, tell me about your walk with Jesus. Oh, I just hadn't. Guess what? We need to be in touch with Jesus every day, all day. We get to hang out with Jesus all day long. Doesn't mean our life's going to be perfect. But can I tell you something? In my life, the times that, 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 that I've wandered away from Jesus, it's, it's more difficult to deal with my life when I'm wandered away. But when I'm in touch with Jesus and something bad happens, I'm going, okay, God, I don't know what's going on, but you got it. You know me. You're holding me. You're the one walking with me in this. You see? So the people are returning. They build the temple. Why build the temple? It's, it's that representation of God's presence. But they must worship. That's what, that's what Darius says. He says right here, he says, Let it be given to them every day without fail, so that they can offer sacrifices of pleasing aroma to the God of the heavens. 
Why rebuild the temple first? So the people can worship because that's who they are. Who are you? Who am I? Folks, if I'm not a worshiper of God, if I'm not a follower of Christ, if I am not living out my identity in Jesus, then I'm nothing. Okay? Filthy rags. That's what Paul said. You know what? I mean, I like me, all right. But truth is, I'm, I'm nothing without Jesus. So no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, I've got to worship. See, we're in the in-between, y'all. This is the 22nd. This is the week between. Y'all know what it's between? It's between outdoor worship last week in the parking lot. And if you were here, yay, glad you were here. Had a big time out in the parking lot. We ate up some hamburgers and hot dogs. Uh, bounce houses went up and kids played and bounced. Okay? This week is kind of like... Because next week's Memorial Day weekend, and we got a fish fry and a car wash, and everybody comes back to our corner. What do I mean? Next Sunday, parking is going to be tough. Just going to warn you. Probably not for you guys at 810, but during the next hour and the next hour, oh my, folks circling the block. Because because our, our the other part of our family over here at the Catholic Church, they'll be back. They're going to be right over there. They're going to want your parking place when you get ready to leave at 9.10. So run over. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't mean that. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing you. But you see, next week is Memorial Day weekend. Man, it's it's on at that point. Here's what we're doing. We learned something Easter Sunday. Y'all know, here's what we learned Easter Sunday. At 925 in here, we had a good crowd, but it wasn't packed. And I was like, hmm, 1040. We had a good crowd in here, but it wasn't packed. Well, see, on Easter Sunday, we decided we were going to do 10 o'clock beach worship. So we sent over a sound system and somebody to lead worship and somebody to preach on the beach at 10 o'clock on Easter Sunday. And, and one of the ladies here said, you know what, I went over to count. I quit counting at 200. Guess why there wasn't, well, guess why we weren't packed to the gills in here? Because there's 200 people. Now, not all of them would have been here. So next Sunday, we're doing 10 o'clock beach worship again, and we're going to do it every Sunday till Labor Day. See? So, so God gives us opportunities for what? To increase our numbers? No. That's, that's the kind of thing I grew up in. No, God has given us opportunity to worship Him. To worship Him. To worship Him here. To worship Him there. To worship Him at the campground. To worship Him wherever we find ourselves. Why? Because that's who we are. That's our identity. Is to worship. Okay? That's it. This is the story. And by the way, go ahead and pray for the king. President, Congress, I don't care. Because when we come together to worship, we're praying for God's will. Okay? One of the ways I pray for, for our country is, is God. For those in leadership, bend them to your will. Because the world we live in doesn't want to do what God wants us to do. But Darius knew. <laughs> Darius knew he needed the God of the heavens. So he wanted God's people 
to worship and pray for the life of the king and his sons. And, and, and old Tatanai and Shether Bozani, don't you get in the way. Right? Folks, we, we've been through a difficult couple years, right? Everybody would say so. Got some folks this morning that aren't here because, because they're just positive people today. It's just the way I word it. <laughs> so they, they would ordinarily be sitting right there in the center of the front, front row of that back center section. They would be there. See? Uh, Winnie, who's listening by phone, she, she had a stroke two or three weeks ago, and, and she's incapacitated. And so, so her daughter, Kathy, has the phone up to her ear so she can worship with us this morning. Years ago, Winnie just, just insisted that I sing a song with her. Uh, in the garden. Remember that hymn? I come to the garden alone. All the dew is. So Winnie and I sang that one Sunday. I don't torture you folks with my singing anymore. I used to. You see, we've been through a rough couple of years. But you know what we do? No matter how rough it gets. Or how, how godless the world around us gets. We worship. We worship God. We bow, okay? We come together to declare the worth of God in our lives and to us. Why? Because God said so. God said so. You know, you go back through the story of redemption and you find, you find Adam and Eve teaching their... How, do you, how did Cain and Abel know to offer a sacrifice to God. Mom and daddy taught them. Okay? Worship has been from the beginning. Why do we worship? Because God created us for worship. The dilemma is who or what you choose to worship. Okay, be careful. Israelites went into bondage and exile because they worshipped wrong. They were idolatrous. Folks, I look around me in the world today and I pay attention to a little bit of news and stuff and I go, there's so much idolatry in this world. Who are we? We're the folks that we worship God. We, we have this relationship simply because Jesus Christ died on the cross that our sins might be forgiven. He made a way and imparted to us a righteousness that we can't earn, that, that, that we can't gain on our own. We have it simply because God loved us and Jesus died for us. So we worship. We worship. See, I, I love the storyline. I love the fact that God's still at work. He's still working. And I remember singing the song as a kid. He's still working on me. Right? Pray with me. Father, thank you for today. I do thank you and praise you again that God, it's, it's just an incredible thing that you loved us this much. 
that God, you've, you've given us life, abundance. God, that Jesus died for me. Because God, I, I'm nothing. Why you love me the way you do? Why you love all of us the way you do? It's just unheard of. Except that God, we know from your word that you are love. John said so. So God, we thank you this morning. If there's someone here this morning, God, that doesn't know you, that's never surrendered themselves to you, never received the salvation and redemption that you've provided as a gift in Jesus, God, I pray that they would know you today. As we sing this last song, we just want to praise you. God, we want this to be worship. So God, hear our hearts. Maybe not our words, maybe not our voices. Hear our hearts, God, as we worship before your throne. Thank you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.